Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Big stories. Big guests. The big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Right, so what did you eat today? Why did you eat it? Why did you choose that? I mean, these are pretty fundamental questions that we, we uh, have to answer for ourselves uh, multiple times every single day. And a lot of factors go into that. What do we like? What are our preferences? You know, we eat different things at breakfast as opposed to, to lunch or dinner. Uh, maybe we're eating because uh, we're, you know, we're trying to get in shape, trying to build muscle, maybe trying to lose weight, trying to stay healthy, trying to avoid cancer, try to avoid uh, diabetes, try to avoid other diseases. So all kinds of things we, we need to factor in. And obviously, we, we, we don't know all of this on our own, right? We rely on science uh, to help us shape these decisions, to help inform us on what we should be eating, what we should be avoiding, what we need to give priority to, what we need to try to minimize in our diets. There's a whole lot of information out there. There's a lot to sort through. And you can find all kinds of different answers out there. There's all kinds of uh, trend diets, and sometimes it seems as though science is conflicting science. Uh, Eggs are bad. Eggs are good. Eggs are bad. No, eggs are good. Coffee's bad. No, coffee's good. We think it's good. Well, maybe it's not, but yeah, it probably is. It can get confusing. Regarding sugar... I think we, we have a pretty strong consensus that sugar's bad for us. How much do we need to go out of our way to avoid sugar? Should we exclude sugar from our diets altogether? There's a real trend right now towards low-carb, high-fat diets. And in fact, in some cases, uh, no carbs, no sugar altogether. A lot of people say, hey, I lost a lot of weight, lost a lot of weight quite easily as a result of this. Is this the way to live? Is this the way to eat? Well, I want to delve into all of this. Someone who's written a lot about the subject. Uh, Gary Tobbs joins us. He's the uh, author of The Case Against Sugar. Also the books Why We Get Fat, Good Calories, Bad Calories, Bad Science, Nobel Dreams. Gary, thanks so much for joining us here today. Welcome to the program. Well, thanks for having me. You wrote an interesting op-ed uh, that the uh, Globe and Mail ran just a couple of weeks ago here about, you know, this, this whole question of minimizing carbs, eating a lot of fat, which seems to be the, the trend as of late, kind of a rebirth of the old Atkins diet, I think, from a couple of decades ago. What, what's, what's that? that the, the, why is this coming up now again? Well, this has never gone away, which is one of the points I've made as a journalist. So I'm one of the few journalists who have investigative journalists who've spent the time actually looking into the history of our beliefs and our the scientific research on nutrition and obesity and uh there were there were always uh, competing hypotheses in the field uh i'm going to give you a little history if you don't mind but um yeah. you go back Pre-World War II, the, the leading researchers in the field, all Germans, Austrians, believed that obesity was clearly a hormonal regulatory imbalance. Post-World War II, the Germans and Austrians vanished with the war. The lingua franca of science shifts from German to English. Post-war, 
obesity research is reinvented in the U.S. is this idea that it's just gluttony and sloth, basically. It's the overeating. It's energy balance. You've heard this phrase, calories in, calories out. And this is an incredibly naive view of a, of a complex, you know, chronic physical disorder that can be crippling in some places. In some case, I mean, you know, people can be 200, 400, 800 pounds overweight, and the assumption is they just ate too much or exercised too little. And beginning in the 1960s, as we began to understand the biology of how fat is regulating the human body, all the science pointed towards the hormone insulin controlling fat regulation. And if you want to lower insulin, if you're obese or you know, overweight, the way you do that is restrict carbohydrates and replace them with fat. And the, the result is something that looks very much like the Atkins diet. Atkins got his ideas in the 60s from reading the literature, um, the same medical literature I read 40 years later. Um, but all of this was considered quackery because the controlling for the, the powers that be in the nutrition obesity field were convinced that we get fat because we just eat too much, and we started to implicate dietary fat as the cause of heart disease. And if you're going to blame fat, heart disease on fat, you can't blame obesity on carbs because obese people are at high risk of heart disease. So one of these theories had to go, and the idea... They, you know, literally and then, well, figuratively in the 1970s, they sort of swept the idea that obesity is a hormonal regulatory disorder under the rug of science, and with it, the idea, you know, this idea that we should eat low-carb, high-fat diets became quackery. And yet, if you pay attention to the biology, that's, that's the way to lose weight if you're overweight. You basically fix what's broken. And what's broken is you're over-responding to the carbs in the diet. And so it's never gone away. The diet books keep coming up, basically repackaging Atkins and in, in ways that might be politically acceptable. And meanwhile, this idea that dietary fat caused heart disease just never held up. Right. And yet today it's, you know, deeply conventional thinking. In fact, while, you know, on hold before coming on the show, I heard this, Note that the, the, there are forces in Canada who would like to institute taxes on meat products or animal products because they're bad for our health. Yeah. People believe they're bad for our health in part because they're high in fat. Right. So for a long time, fat was, was demonized. Fat was the bad guy. Yeah, that was that's been demonized since the uh, the nineteen well even the nineteen sixties. Um, I pointed out in this essay as early as nineteen sixty five, the New York Times ran an article criticizing physicians who prescribe low carb, high fat diets, and they quoted the leading nutritionist of the era, a Harvard researcher named Jean Maier, saying it was equivalent to that to prescribe these diets is equivalent of of, of committing mass murder. Wow. And at the time, the, the, this idea that dietary fat causes heart disease hadn't even been tested yet in any significant way. And as I said, when it was tested, it actually failed the test. But by that time, we had instituted, we had sort of institutionalized the idea that a low-fat diet is a healthy diet or a low-saturated fat diet is a healthy diet, and it never went away. And... 
Meanwhile, obesity and diabetes rates have exploded. As I quoted in the article, the um, director general of the World Health Organization recently called obesity and diabetes epidemics worldwide slow-motion disasters. Um, And meanwhile, physicians know that if they can get their patients to restrict carbs and replace it with fat, basically eat all these foods that in theory are supposed to give us heart disease, you know, eggs and bacon and, and, and fatty meat and animal products, cheese, and, you know, if, if they can get their patients to eat that way, they can pretty much reverse their obesity. They can, you know, for the most part, reverse their diabetes. They can get these people off drugs. They can lower their blood pressure significantly. Um, you know, so in the medical community, it's 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 a growing movement. But for every doctor who embraces it, every dietitian who embraces it, they have to go against their medical organization. Let me get you to stand by for a second here, Gary. We'll take a break and we'll come back. I want to talk a bit about, I guess, the latest iteration of this approach, the so-called ketosis, keto diet, seems to be uh, really popular as a way of losing weight. But uh, for people who are not trying to lose weight, just to eat healthy, stay healthy, avoid heart disease, is that a way we we should all be eating? So we'll get into all of that. Gary Taubes is our guest. Uh, His latest book is called The Case Against Sugar. You can read more at GaryTaubes.com. That's T-A-U-B-E-S. We're back with more right after this. We're back. Science writer, investigative journalist, and author. Gary Tobbs' most recent book is The Case Against Sugar. So, Gary, as I alluded to, and you, you touched on it in, in your op-ed piece, and I'm getting a lot of texts from listeners saying, you know, they're, they're doing the keto diet or the keto diet, or they've heard about it. Uh, that seems to be the, the latest trends. How does this differ from, from say, Atkins or other low-carb, high-fat approaches? Well, the reason Atkins, one of the reasons he was vilified... Uh, back in the 70s when he started this diet, is his diet goes in phases. So it starts with an induction phase where he wants you to go into ketosis. And what we mean by ketosis, it means your body is mobilizing fat from its fat tissue, which is what you want it to do, right, because you want to lose fat. And then your liver is converting these fat molecules into something, into molecules called ketones that help fuel the brain and other organs since, the brain will run on carbohydrates predominantly if you're eating a high-carb diet, but if you're not eating carbs, it needs fuel, and ketones are these fuel. Uh, for decades, and still to some extent, physicians would confuse ketosis, which is a perfectly natural state of mankind. If you don't eat for a day, you'll be in ketosis because um, your body has to fuel your brain, and it does it with ketones. Right. Uh, but don't confuse ketosis with diabetic ketoacidosis, which is what uncontrolled diabetics will die of and is a horrible fate, and it's ketone levels that are an order of magnitude higher than they are in ketosis. Um, Any key, so the Atkins induction phase was a keto diet, and like I said, people keep changing the names. They do this in all aspects of life. When a name or a term gets associated with negative connotations, um, people start thinking of different ways to refer to the same concept. So, you know, the Atkins diet is reinvented time and time again as, you know, protein power, as sugar busters, as 
South Beach, uh, Palio is a version of Atkins. You know, when you're in ketosis, it's the most extreme manifestation of carb restriction. So you're removing virtually all the digestible carbohydrates except those found in green vegetables, and you're replacing it with fat. Um, so it's the, an extreme version of a high-fat, low-carb diet. Uh, a lot of people feel great on these diets. You know, they take a transition period because you're – you're moving your body from basically burning carbohydrates for fuel to burning fat for fuel. So it often takes, you know, a week to three weeks to fully transition, particularly for athletes. And there's a movement now in endurance athletes and ultra-endurance athletes to uh, uh, compete on ketogenic diets because they find that they don't have to eat during the race and they recover quickly. Um, is it healthy for everyone? We don't know. You know, again, when you ask these questions, is a diet a healthy diet? You could say, well, in the short term, we can test it. And in the short term, it clearly is, and it's uh, arguably healthier than any diet it's ever been tested against, any version of these low-carb, high-fat diets. Um, the medical community, I mean, probably a 100 of these clinical trials have been done in the past 20 years, and... The medical community kind of religiously ignores them because they don't know what to do with the results. You know, when you've been arguing that dietary fat is harmful since the 1970s and then you do a study in which you feed people a lot of fat and remove carbs and they get healthier, that creates some cognitive dissonance. Um, when you ask, you know, in the long term, like, I eat this way, I don't eat uh, sugars, I don't eat starches. I find it's very easy for me to maintain my weight. I started as an experiment and I kept with it because I find that I feel better. I look healthy and I can eat as much as I want without being, you know, worrying about weight gain. It's like I'm almost naturally lean on this way of eating is one way to put it. Um, but I don't know if I'm killing myself or not. You know, my, <laughs> would I live 10 years longer if I ate carbs? Possibly. But there's no way to know, and in order to that study to test that would be exceedingly expensive and difficult to do. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, they're, they're kind of different questions in a way. So what should I eat to lose weight versus what should I eat, period, right? I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm probably like, yeah, I'm not looking to lose weight, but I just, you know, I'm like most people. I want to know what, what I should be eating. Part of it is to, to stay healthy. Maybe part of it is to live longer. I guess maybe there well, are different answers then to that one question. One of the arguments I made in my book, and again, it's a hypothesis, is that, so, and I made this point in the uh, Globe and Mail essay, um, what happened in the 1950s and 60s, beginning in the U.S., is researchers wanted to answer this question, actually, I made this point in the British Medical Journal essay that's also out today on sugar. We, wanted, we set out to ask the question, what's the cause of heart disease in the United States? And we said, hey, we eat a lot of saturated fat, that raises LDL cholesterol, maybe that's the cause. Right. And then we, you know, the test after test rejected the hypothesis, but our, you know, one of the characteristics of bad science in every field is people get locked into their hypotheses and they, they can't get away regardless of how much evidence accumulates to refute it. 
The other question to ask, and this is what British researchers were asking, because the British had colonies all around the world and missionary hospitals all around the world, and the British Navy was all around the world, and they were asking this question, what causes obesity and diabetes epidemics worldwide, because they were seeing them worldwide. And obesity and diabetes are associated with heart disease and hypertension and cancer and Alzheimer's which means as you're getting fatter and more diabetic, you're at higher risk of all these other chronic diseases, including heart disease. And they concluded it was the carb content of the diet that was to blame, the sugars and white flour. And the argument I'm making in my latest book, The Case Against Sugar, is that sugar itself, the sweet stuff, plays a very unique role in all this. So what I would argue, and I'm a journalist with all the caveats that go with it, there's some advantages to being a journalist in this field that I could I could interview everyone I'm not locked into a discipline in my own research the way researchers are there's disadvantages in that I obviously don't have the training that the medical researchers have mm -hmm. but my perspective is you know I think the British got it right I think sugar and, and refined grains are the fundamental problem so any diet is a healthy diet a healthier diet if you get rid of sugar and in effect white flour and white rice and easily digestible carbs and anyone will be healthier if they do it and they'll lower their risk of chronic disease and that's my opinion but if you're overweight or obese or diabetic which in the US we're talking two-thirds of the population, those people would benefit from restricting, in effect, most to all carbohydrate-rich foods. So now, you know, it doesn't really matter if you're eating white bread or whole bread or, you know, they're all potatoes, pasta. You get rid of all of them and you can, you know, the evidence suggests that you will Fix, you will reverse these symptoms of overweight obesity, pre-diabetes, diabetes, and by doing so, lower your risk of heart disease and these other chronic diseases. Am I right? Who knows? <laughs> well, but it seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? I mean, throw out the bagel and load up with the bacon. Yeah, it does. It does, except that until the 1960s, the conventional wisdom was the opposite. Right. Until the 1960s, the conventional wisdom was bread, pasta, potatoes, the bagel, the baked potato. You know, the way I describe it is, is in the early 1960s, um, baked potatoes were considered uniquely fattening. Like women would say they go right to my hips. In fact, there's a line I quote in several of my books, uh, first sentence of a British Journal of Nutrition article in 1963 written by one of the leading British nutritionists that every woman knows that carbohydrates are fattening. And then by the mid-1980s, the carbohydrate had been transformed into this heart-healthy diet food. We were all eating baked potatoes every night and pasta every night. It was crazy. Without any research, any meaningful research to support the transformation, and we've been living with it since. So you think bagels, healthy, bacon, not, and yet again, go back 50 years, it would have been the opposite. Yeah, it's quite fascinating. Uh, the latest book, as mentioned, it's called The Case Against Sugar. Gary, thanks so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate this. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, take care. That's uh, author and journalist Gary Taubes. GaryTaubes.com is his website, T-A-U-B-E-S. That's how you spell his last name.
Got a text here from Don says, Gary saved my life. I lost 150 pounds following his advice. Another text here says, I'm an MD, and I turned after reading Gary's book, Good Calories, Bad Calories, have not looked back since. Lots of happy, healthy patients, but I still try to stay under the radar. There is strong opposition from some areas. Really interesting stuff. 974-8255 is the way to reach us, folks. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.